Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I'm Jessica, your host from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that teaches new and aspiring gardeners how to get going using the simple and sustainable methods they need to grow their own garden. Today, we are continuing our little series on gardening as a blank. So putting yourself in different situations, such as last week we talked about gardening while renting. This week, we are talking about gardening as a mom because it is a tricky balance that you have to figure out as you go. Um, And next week, we're going to talk about gardening on a budget. So a little mini series designed to kind of target some of those pain points that gardeners can come up against when they are just trying to grow their best garden. So let's dig into the show today. Alrighty, two quick little things before we get started. One is I wanted to mention another podcast review shout out on Apple Podcasts that I so, so appreciate reading. This is from Calendula Lover, which is an awesome name. And they say that the podcast is super helpful, that they're getting tons of helpful information, and that the show is exactly what they were hoping to find. So thank you very, very much. As always, if you want to leave a review, I so appreciate it. It means a lot to me, and it helps me create a better show that delivers what you need to hear, what you need help with, what you want to learn more about. And then secondly, I don't mention very often, but I have an Etsy shop with all kinds of gardening goodies. And for example, right now I have printable planners for seed starting, for cut flower gardening, for general garden planning. And I've also got some seasonal products in there right now, like a gardening advent calendar that I am so in love with, where you get a new packet of seeds every 24 days of December that will come together to make a big, beautiful garden. A couple variations of those. Uh, I'm selling them at my local farmer's market, and they've gotten a great reception. So just wanted to point that out in case I hadn't mentioned it since you've been listening. And I'll have links to those in the show notes. All right. So like I mentioned, this is the second part of our little mini series of some common struggles with gardening. And in episode 31, we talked about tips for starting a garden, even if you're renting, because that is a reality for a lot of people, was a reality for me for many, many years. And it takes a little bit of working the system to be able to garden, even when you know you're going to have to leave it behind. And today's episode 32, we're talking about balancing being a busy mom and still getting your gardening time in. And this, of course, applies to the dads, the grandparents, the foster parents. If you have kids at home and you're still trying to garden, this episode is for you. I put mom in the title because that's my perspective and my position on it. But, you know, I want to help anybody that is trying to balance their busy life with garden time. And then next week, we're talking about staying on budget and how to build a thrifty garden in episode 33. So for today, I have five tips for you that, as I mentioned in the title, these are hard learned lessons in balance because I don't know about you becoming a parent, but you have all your grand ideas of what things will and won't be and what you will and won't do. And then reality hits and you realize that you have to adapt. Um, So in any case, my first tip for you for working as a not working gardening as a parent stay at home parent full time working parent whatever your such is let your kids help even when it drives you crazy there are times where i know 
I want to foster a love of gardening and helping and planting and weeding and all the things. And yet, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, 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 not like that. Or, you know, you just put in a seedling and they reach right for it and pull it out. And for reference, my kids are now two and four. Uh, So they're still little, you know, getting up there and understanding what's going on, especially my four-year-old. But they are, we're not talking like an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old or anything like that. And so let them help because it lays such a solid foundation for being outside, connecting with nature, not being afraid of bugs, not being afraid to get dirty, and just seeing where does our food come from? What is this green world around us that a lot of people don't spend too much time in? You know, we're a very inside culture these days, and that's a whole other discussion, but just let them help to introduce them early on to the amazing outside world. And you can choose, you know, the easy, easier or simpler tasks like watering or sowing some of the large seeds like zucchinis or cucumbers, you know, and then save the little basil seeds and snapdragon seeds for yourself. Or even harvesting. My kids love to harvest radishes. Um, they pull peas and beans off of the plant. Of course, I've had to teach them to hold on to the, the plant and then pull the pot off so they don't rip the whole thing out. Um, or picking lettuce leaves or even certain flowers that have a thin enough stem that you can, you know, pull it without needing to cut it. And they will totally appreciate it. And they'll build those skills as they get practice, just like with anything. Tip number two is to accept that your garden will have the whimsy of kids. And what I mean by this is you might have an idea in your head of what it's going to look like and where things are planted. But once your kids get a hold of the seed packet and accidentally spill some or pull up those newly transplanted seedlings that I mentioned before that you might not have noticed right away. And so they spent some time in the sun cooking and potentially won't come back. And so you now have an empty spot where you thought you were going to have this particular plant. It's kind of just the way it is if you want to have your kids in the garden with you. And, you know, I'm not opposed to having a bed that's fenced off. Like, for example, I have some ranunculus planted this fall that I'm planning on selling as cut flowers in the spring. And those are sectioned off because I can't afford to have the kids digging up the corms or cutting the flowers before they're ready, you know, come springtime, because that's part of my business. But for our home garden and our food garden, you know, if I have my row of radishes where, whoops, they spilled five seeds when they should have put one. Oh, well, it's still it's still going to grow. I'll just thin them out as they go. And it's not a big deal. And so I try to let go of that control of this is how I want the garden to be laid out or this is how many sunflower seeds I want to put out. And I just realize eh, it's OK. It all comes out in the wash and they're I'm including them. They're able to help. And that is more important than whether I have that one radish seed or five radish seeds. And some of these, you know what, some of these might be super obvious to you. You might not get hung up on these things the way I do. Um, I come from a background of my younger gardening years of strictly planning out my layout of my garden and this many inches between plants and five plants of this, not six, because I just find it so fun to plan out the garden. And so learning to let go of that control and just let it be what it is has been a process for me. And if it's not for you, awesome. You might not need any of the tips on this list um, and keep going with your relaxed self. All right. Tip number three is to buy some things just for the kids to pick or 
plant. I should buy plant, you know, whatever, whether you're buying seedlings or you're starting from seed, just get some things in the garden that can be just for them, such as really pretty and easy to pick flowers. Like I'd mentioned before, ones that you don't necessarily need snips to cut, like nasturtiums have a very soft um, stem that you can just pull off without really damaging the rest of the plant. Whereas I wouldn't plant something like a dahlia or um, even a zinnia for the kids to speak to, sorry, for the kids to pick specifically because those stems are stronger. And if they're wrenching on the stem to get the flower off, they're probably just going to pull the flower, pull the flower head off. My goodness, I'm talking too fast um, and damage the whole plant. So some nice soft stems or even small flowers like alyssum or pansies, those will be super easy for them to pick themselves. And they can put in a little jar, have a little posy, you know, that they helped grow and they harvested themselves. Also, like I mentioned before, easy to harvest crops like peas or beans or leafy greens like spinach and lettuce might be easier for them to help harvest as opposed to something like a zucchini where you really got to tug on it and be careful to not rip the whole stem off with the fruit itself. You can also try doing a little miniature garden for them with baby carrots or radishes or dwarf-sized sunflowers, little things that are meant to stay small and they can grow their own little section in the garden or their own container. Or obviously you can just intersperse it with everything else, but it's kind of even as an adult, you know, you look at these little mini gardens or little fairy gardens and they're so cute. And so if your kid is into that or they like to have something that's just theirs, then that's an awesome way to give them that designated space without taking up too much room and keeping it small to where they can manage it more easily themselves and it's small like them. Tip number four of gardening with your kids, finding that balance as a mom, and this one's more for the moms or the parents that are at home, is to make a planting calendar to help you get things in the ground when it's going to give them the best chance to grow. It is so easy to lose track of your gardening schedule, of what you mean to plant when, to get busy and miss those planting dates. And a calendar can help with this. And this is kind of related to how I keep talking about keep records, keep a planner, you know, think, put down your thoughts about this season that just went by because you won't remember. And nor will you always remember your planting dates come springtime. And I also mean, of course, you know, your summer plantings and your fall plantings. But it's so easy to say, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it this weekend. I'm going to get to it next weekend. Or just completely forget about it and realize two months down the road, I forgot to put in my last round of whatever crop you know, you're thinking of. I forgot to plant my cilantro before it got too hot. Now I have to wait for a fall crop. And so having those planting dates marked on the calendar can be a simple way to trigger that memory of, oh yeah, this weekend I need to plant X, Y, Z, or by next week I need to start this plant indoors so that it is the right size for planting when the right time comes around. I'm definitely guilty of this. There are times, of course, because I'm a person too, where I think I will remember to plant that. Just like I say, I'll remember, you know, this thing that I did this season that went really well and I can replicate it next year and I never wrote it down. Of course I don't remember I forget and I have to learn the hard way again next year. So make a planting calendar. It's super simple to do. Basically, all you need to do is find your last spring frost date. And I'm, you know, talking specifically about a spring garden right now. And then 
plan around it of, you know, say a zinnia that you want to plant out a week after your last spring frost to make sure that it doesn't get hit by a cold snap. Count out your seven days, put it on your calendar from your last frost date, plant zinnia seeds. Or maybe you want to start them indoors a month before you plant them out, then find that last frost date, count back three weeks, start them from seed, and then in one month you'll still hit that one week after the last frost date for transplanting them. Hopefully that all makes sense as far as the math. I have some blog articles about this. I have the planner that I mentioned at the top of the show, and there are a ton of other resources that I can link in the show notes if you want some help for figuring out your planting dates so that you can already be thinking ahead to next season uh, and getting a planting calendar ready to go so that you don't get lost in the sauce of parenting and responsibilities and chores and work and all the things that we all have coming up. And you know what? This even counts kind of right now. We are coming up on the very busy holiday season. And if you are growing things indoors or you are trying to get into microgreens or sprouts, putting it on the calendar can be another really easy way to stay a little bit more on track because those things that you grow inside are equally easy to forget about, such as soaking your sunflower seeds for a day before you actually plant them for micros or you know, you rinsed your sprouts and then you put them in a dark cupboard to help them germinate. And then whoops, it's three days later. I totally forgot about them. Let's see if they're still alive. And so having those little reminders on your calendar, I like a paper calendar, but of course, you know, put a reminder on your phone, use your calendar app, whatever. Um, It can be a great way to find ways to still get your things done, even when you have a busy home life going on. And then number five, Protect your time in the garden when you need that time to connect with your garden. Sometimes I feel obligated to always let my kids be in the garden with me, but I also have to recognize there are times where I just want to be by myself in there. I just want to plant something alone. I want to just sit in the peace and quiet or just do whatever the chore is myself. I want to shovel dirt without worrying about little feet getting in the way or accidentally hitting somebody with the handle of the shovel as I'm turning around. And just that mental rejuvenation that I personally find in the garden. Sometimes I just want to be alone with my plants. And that can be really hard to say, nope, you can't come with me this time. Or no, I need just a minute by myself. Because you want to include them. You want to teach them and include them and encourage whatever interest they have in being outside and being in the garden. But I would encourage you to at least try here and there when you need that time to put up that boundary and say, no, I just I just don't want to share today. And sometimes this comes in the form of early in the morning when I have my coffee and my robe and it's cold outside lately anyways, and I go out to check on my seedlings or you know, in the middle of summer, I get out there nice and early before it gets hot to water and just observe, see what's going on, literally stop and smell the flowers and just have a little bit of alone time out there so that the other times when they're helping transplant, helping water, helping harvest, whatever it is, is I won't see easier to deal with because that's that sounds too extreme. But just there's that balance, like the whole title of the episode, there is a balance between this is my garden and this is our garden and this is my time and this is our time. And this has been a tough lesson for me to learn um, because just of what gardening represents. 
both in the sharing of it and the wanting to involve my kids in it, because that's a super important principle, not principle, um, foundation for our family is to be outside. And so I just want to bring that up because I think that's one thing that isn't talked about too much in regards to gardening and parenting. And, you know, you could even sub in whatever your hobby is. Like I also like to sew. I sew a lot of clothes for my kids. I sew for myself. And I can't even tell you how many times I have sewn an article of clothing with a kid sitting on my lap. And, you know, they're helping to cut the thread or me trying to keep their fingers away from the needles and and all those things. And then there are other times where I just want to sew by myself. Um, And so if your thing is doing a puzzle or drawing or going for a walk, even, it's important to find that balance and protect the time that you need to be by yourself. So that last tip got a little bit long and in depth, but you get my point, hopefully, of just the garden is for everybody. And sometimes that includes you by yourself. That's all today, folks. That is all today. Um, I really hope that you are still getting something out of the garden, even though if your weather's anything like ours, it is chilly. It's dark early these days, my goodness. And there's not a whole lot growing. Everything's just kind of hit the pause button, um, even in our greenhouse and, you know, having planned for this, it just things aren't growing very much right now. Although my um, grape hyacinths that I'm forcing for indoors are growing and looking awesome. So if you actually, now that I think of it, if you're feeling a little sad and you want something to still be growing, try forcing some bulbs. It's not too late. They're still available in lots of nurseries. We were actually just at Home Depot the other day and they had 50% off of all of their bulbs, which since they're a chain, chances are they will be in your area too. And you can throw them out in your garden or you can throw them into a pot and force them indoors and you'll get some blooms in no time. All right, little tangent there. Uh, that's it. A little bit of a shorter episode today, which might actually be helpful because, like I mentioned, this is a busy, busy week that we are heading into. If you're in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving. I know Canada already has theirs. And I hope you are doing well. I wish you a happy Thanksgiving, happy gardening, and I will talk to you next week where we stay on budget. Bye. Bye.